All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for the incredible worship that we have just enjoyed for this wonderful song that Tyler has shared with us. Thank you, God, that because you are God, that this year, this January 1st, as we launch into a new year, can truly be the great adventure. And it doesn't depend on our circumstances. It doesn't depend how things plan out and play out. It is totally like in your hands, and we are grateful for that. So, Lord, Father, I pray, Jesus, and Jesus in your name, that the Holy Spirit will just simply be in this place. May we sense and feel his presence. Holy Spirit, we are asking you to speak to hearts. We don't want to come today just for the sake of coming. We want to hear from you through worship, through your word, and through the Holy Spirit. So we want to pray that, Holy Spirit, that you'll have free reign in this place and in the hearts of God's people. We want to pray, Father, that if there's someone here today who's never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, that today would be that day, that they would begin the new year with this greatest gift ever, and that is your son, Jesus Christ. So we are thankful for this opportunity. We pray that you'll bring great fruit from it. And Jesus, I do pray this in your precious and strong name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. We are glad that you are here today, January 1st, 2017. God is good. God is great. And we are thankful for this new year. And we're going to start the new year with a new series, of course. And um, I, let me kind of just take a moment and kind of explain. You saw at the very end there the phrase 1090, 1090. And you may say, well, what is that, Dwayne? Well, if you noticed in the video, we talked about different topics. But here was my thought. My thought was this. I said, so what if we took the first 10% of the year and use that to prepare us for the 90% remaining? What if we were to take the first 10% of the year and devote that to learning, to experiencing God in a very special way through His Word and through teaching and through worship, and that might prepare us for the 90% that remains? Hence, 1090. Now, if you'll take the, do the math, there are five Sundays in January, and that works out just about 10%. So about 10% of our morning times will be spent preparing this for 1090. But also, if you'll do the math and add up all the Sunday nights and the Wednesday nights and the Sunday mornings, it even works out a little bit closer to the 9010 uh, motif. So we are looking forward for the next weeks in January, looking forward to how can we do life God's way. How can we do life God's way? And will God honor our efforts in the first 10%, if you will, our first fruit, honor that to prepare us for the rest of the year? So here we are. You might wonder what preachers do on New Year's Eve, in case you want to know. Someone asked, how are you? I said, I'm sober. And so that was good. And, uh, but no, no, we went to bed about 10.30 last night. And actually, we're laying there in bed. Jesus said something about New Year's. And I said, I actually forgot it was New Year's Eve. You know? But preachers study on New Year's Eve. That's what we do when it falls on a Sunday. And uh, we were in bed at 1030 and woke up this morning and really didn't think about that either. Of course, when I get up, that first cup of coffee is just very important. So, so God and I, and no one talks to me until about the first cup of coffee. And then, then I'm up and I'm at him. I'm okay. So that's kind of what our New Year's looked like. But, but here we are launching into 364 days, more days after today, of a brand new year. And that year, of course, is filled with a lot of unknowns. You know, King George VI, and the year is about, no, it is 1939. And I guess it's tradition in England that the king gives a speech, a Christmas Day speech. And so in 1939, King George VI gets on the radio and gives his speech for that day. 
And before you really, to really understand what the speech means and how powerful it might have been, you've got to understand, in 1939, Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich, the, the, the Nazis were literally starting to storm over Europe. They had, they had unlawless, you know, through, uh, lawlessly taken charge of Poland, and they were take, starting to take over all of Europe. And, of course, you know, the only people standing right now against Adolf Hitler was France and Germany. And so, uh, France and Germany, France and England. And so they knew, they knew that, that there was a difficult year coming. And so King George, again, with England just right across the English Channel from Europe, King George wanted to instill confidence in his people. They say that even though it was on radio, that he wore his full-dress uniform. He was the admiral of the British fleet. And so he wore his full-dress uniform, maybe perhaps to instill confidence in his voice as he spoke to the British people. And here's what he said that that day. He said, we cannot tell what it will bring this new year. We cannot tell what it will bring. If it brings peace, how thankful we shall be. If it brings us continued struggle, we shall remain undaunted. What wise words from the king of England, we cannot know, we cannot see what it will bring. And in the same way, we really don't know what 2017 holds for us as individuals, how this year will pan out for us. And that's a big deal. Because there's what I call the tyranny of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. The word tyranny means harshness, severity. And if we allow the fear of the unknown to rule us that way, then it really multiplies the anxiety that we have as we stand on this gateway, this doorpost of a new year's. So as we look at this unknown, I, uh, today's a kind of a play on word day. So I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay. So there are known unknowns and there's unknown unknowns. Isn't that deep? Don't you just love it on the 1st of January when the preacher comes up with a what? Yeah, there's known unknowns and there's unknown unknowns. So you may be coming into 2017 and there are things that you're carrying with you. You've got some, some bags in your hand and you're bringing things from 2016 that already have cast an air of doubt or fear in 2017. You may be entering 2017 with a marriage that really isn't very steady. And you're wondering in 2017, will I still be married at the end of the year? You may have gone to the doctor or perhaps gone through treatments throughout the fall and you're entering 2017 with some illness issues, some health issues. It could be the dreaded C word. It could be cancer. It could be other things. But you're bringing 2017, you're bringing baggage from 2016. These are none unknowns. You don't know. You're bringing something in, but you don't know how it's going to play out. You don't know how it's going to end. Perhaps you're a coal miner today. And crazily, how difficult... It is in the coal industry right now. And you're wondering, you're bringing in that, un, that known into the unknown. Will I have a job at the end of the year? It doesn't have to be coal mining. The economy, still in certain areas such as Southern Illinois, is still so iffy. Perhaps there's a teenager, there's a student in your life. And you see things happening in their lives. And, and you know that and you're bringing that into 2017. And you wonder, you know, will, she, will he or she turn around? Will he, he or she get it straight? Maybe you're a student today and you see your mom and dad's life and they're going man they're like totally messed up and you're bringing that into 2017 you're wondering how's it going to plan out with my family with mom and dad 
So you may be bringing some baggage in that you had in 2016 and you're bringing it into 2017, the known unknowns. But then you're sitting there and your life is good. I mean, the future is as bright. So William Carey once said, the, pro- the future is as bright as the promises of God. And all you can say to that is, amen. I mean, my life is so good. I, went, I took my children to the orthodontist. And, 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 and the orthodontist said, man, you don't need braces. Those teeth are awesome. You're going, yay, it's great. You went and had your physical checkup, and the doctor said, you are a picture of perfect health. Yay. You woke up this morning, and you and your wife embraced and kissed and loved. Love is a mini splendid thing. It was a beautiful thing. You're going, yay. But somewhere a month or two or four, there can be an unknown that would change your life radically no matter how perfect it sounds right now. Those are the unknown unknowns. But come on, let's be honest. If we let the known unknowns rule us, if we let the fact, oh no, what ifs rule us, the unknown unknowns, well, we're going to be miserable. We're going to be miserable. So we have to then have a solution. We have to have a way that we can overcome the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. And what we normally do, what it kind of plans out is we, we turn to people. We turn to folks. Or we turn to other places. So we have a tendency with our unknown, our known unknowns and our unknown unknowns, we, you know, with those issues in our life, when they happen, we turn and say, what would you do? What should I do? And we turn often to people. But the problem is, so many people, in fact, most people, wrestle with that very issue themselves. Many people, not just you. You're sitting there going, yeah, Dwayne, that's my life. I brought in baggage from 2016. It's going to carry over 2017. I don't know how it's going to go. Well, guess what? You're not the only one. Don't you believe Facebook? Everybody on Facebook is fat and happy. Well, that's probably a good analogy. But anyway, anyway, so, so everything's going well on Facebook. The truth is, people in this room, people on the radio, people now on Facebook, as we're broadcasting live today on Facebook, you know, th- those people have issues too. So, so the problem is when we turn to other folks, chances are they're wrestling like we're wrestling. It's kind of like the guy who jumped out of the airplane with his parachute. He jumped out and tries to pull the ripcord, and the parachute doesn't work. As he's tumbling to the earth, amazingly he looks around, and there's a guy shooting up from the earth in the opposite direction. So he hollers at the guy and says, Hey, do you know anything about parachutes? And the guy said, No, do you think about gas stoves? We both don't have a clue. An issue. The truth is we need something bigger than just people. And that is God. And that is God. Now you're going to see how this ties in just a little bit better. But here's the deal. There's a God that you should know. And by that I mean intimacy, intimately and personally. And that God knows all the unknowns. But so often we approach the unknown future with an unknown God. We approach, and you'll see how that ties in in just a moment, but we approach the future, uh, the unknown future, with an unknown God. Now, I bet you've already figured out that there's two kinds of unknown. There's the kind of guy who's 20 years old, he's single, and he's getting to that age where he'd kind of like to have a wife. So some of them, somebody will walk up and go, so, 
How's your wife? And he would go, don't have one. Don't have one. She's unknown because ain't got her yet. That's one kind of unknown. Then there's the unknown where you've been married 10 or 15 years and somebody walks up and says, how's your wife? And you have to say, you know, I've been married to that woman for 10 years and I still can't figure her out. I'm still not sure who she is. Occasionally, Judy will say, you know, I'll say something to her like, you know, been married to you for 41 years and I still can't figure her out. And she goes, that's the mystery. <laughs> that's the mystery. That's the mystery. Well, you know, so it is with God. Sometimes when people say, say I'm going to face the future with this God, but it's an unknown God. It's unknown in the sense that, that they know there's a God, but they don't know Him personally. You know, we forget that James says that, that the devils believe in God, and they tremble. But that's head knowledge. It's not enough to say, I know God. That's like saying, I know there's a God. That, that's one thing, but to know Him personally and intimately is totally Another. And that's why he gave us the cross. That's why we just celebrate Christmas. That's why in four months we're going to celebrate Easter. It's God saw that men were separated from him, that we were separated by our sin, by our brokenness, by our depravity, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us, that we could know him, not know about him, but that we should know him and could know him in a very personal and real way. But there's another kind of unknown. There's the kind of unknown that the, the second illustration, being married to a wife for 10 or a husband for 10 or 15 years and still going after 10 or 15 years, I'm not sure I know them. And I'm afraid that so often as, now listen, as believers, as Christians, we go through life believing there's a God, having trusted Jesus Christ our, as our Savior, but we know so little about Him. Have you figured out it's just another name for practical atheism? We know God. We've experienced Jesus Christ. But we live our lives as if God is an unknown God. And that doesn't work well. Because the times when you need to call out to Him and trust Him, life is still difficult. God doesn't want to be an unknown God to you if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Today at the end of the service, we're going to have a decision time. And we would love to tell you how you can know God personally. But to my brothers and sisters in Christ, God doesn't want to be an unknown God to you either. He wants to be a known God that you know personally and intimately. And that's what January is all about. We're going to take all these different topics and talk about this wonderful, wonderful God. So he won't be an unknown God. He'll be a known God. Now, now, Paul ran into this in Acts chapter 17. He ran into this when he was visiting Athens. And I kind of want to use that as my jumping off point. Actually, a ch- pretty good chunk of the sermon, actually, uh, because the, Ath- the Athenians did not have a, a, didn't know the known God, so they made an idol, an altar to the unknown God. It goes like this. This is Acts 17, 16. Well, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was troubled within him, when he saw that the city was full of idols. Athens, like so many cultures, was not a godless society. It was a multi-god society. Everywhere you looked, there wasn't one god. There were lots of gods. Rome was the same way. A lot of the ancient world was the same way. 
They were polytheistic, that is, polytheistic, that is, that they had multiple gods. And Paul saw this and said, he was a troubled in spirit, that there were so many gods around. I, I wrote down the term God hawkers. I made sure what hawkers meant. Hawkers is someone who'll stand and urge you, and urge you to buy. You know, in, in our culture today, there are so many gods who want to take the place of the one true God. My goodness, watch your television. Do you understand a lot of those commercials that you see are hawking gods? Because you're looking for pleasure, you're looking for satisfaction, you're looking for peace, and they'll say if you'll lose this much weight, if you'll buy this vehicle, if you'll wear this label, all that will come into being. They're just idol hawkers. They're just false god hawkers is all they are. And Paul was troubled, and frankly, we should be troubled too. Do not think... Because we don't worship a fat guy you know, named Buddha or Muhammad or some other god that America doesn't have its false gods. America is full of false gods. And they worm their way into our lives and to our lifestyles. So he was troubled. And then down in verse 22, So Paul was standing amid Mars Hill and said, Men of Athens! I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Have you figured out yet that the absence of religion is not the problem? America is a very religious nation. The problem is religion does not equate to relationship. I'm going to a country next Monday called Uganda. As we travel down the streets of Kampala... I will see many, many, many churches hawking some kind of religion, but not the true gospel. Not the true gospel. So it's so important that we understand that there is plenty of religions around. He saw this. I said, I see that you're very religious. A lack of religion is not the problem. A lack of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is. And an absence of intimately knowing God in the church in believers' lives, is. He goes on and says this, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. The Athenians, the people in, in Athens, they, they said, you know, there's got to be something. We're missing one. We're missing, boy, were they missing one. They were missing one and said, We need to build an altar to the one we're missing. They didn't know what to call him, so they just put to the unknown God. And again, it troubles me that so often in this polytheistic society where gods are hawked in forms of cars and houses and labels that we really miss the one true God. The intimacy that God wants us to have, even as believers, we miss that intimacy. You know, I wrote down, how well do you know God? I could ask, how well you know your wife? You know, what's that? Oh, the newlywed show. Remember the newlywed show? You know, we found out how well we don't know our wives or husbands. You know, how well do you know God? Let me put it another way. How well did God work for you in 2016? When the the trouble came, when the the sea got rough, when the storm came... When, when, the, when the loved one passed away, um, when the job ended, when the bills came due and there was nothing in the bank, um, when your marriage got in trouble, when your child... How, did, how well did God work for you? 
And in so many cases, now listen, in so many cases, if we are very honest, we go, well, you know, I'm not sure that worked. And it's not God's fault. It's because we don't know Him to love intimacy that He wants us to know Him. Again, your marriage will be stronger and thrive greater the deeper the intimacy between the man and the woman. The better you know your spouse, the better your marriage is going to be. And I'm telling you the truth. When God remains this, we know God and we believe in God, and yes, Jesus is my Savior, but basically the attributes of God that could, to, could help us so much in this world remain a mystery and unknown to us. That's pretty difficult. So, so Paul says, you know, I, I see you've got this altar to the unknown God. Now, he says, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. In other words, we're going to take the month of January and, and the t- various teachers we've got and, and preachers, we're going to try our very best to bring you into a great, deeper intimacy with God so that after the first 10%, you face the other 90%, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, when you face those, you'll face them better knowing the God who loves you, the Savior who died for you, and the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You'll know Him better. God doesn't want us to be unknown to Him. He wants us to know Him. To know Him. So, He says, What you worship is unknown, I proclaim to you. Now, here, and He starts describing this God. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hand. The God I'm talking about is not a piece of rock, it's not a tree, it's not a carving. It's the God who made heaven and earth. And may I say this? May I sound preachery just for a moment? If the God I'm telling you about made heaven and earth, He can handle your unknowns. I believe that. I believe that. The God who made heaven and earth can handle the greatest things, our greatest fears that we face every day. He said, the God I'm going to tell you about, He says, is not served by human hands as though He needed anything. God is not a needy God. He's a need-meeting God. Let me say that again. He is not a needy God. He's a need-fulfilling God. He goes on and says this. He says, Since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, He's not a give-me God. He's a giving God. Now, you think about that. Take that home. Don't take to the extreme of our health and wealth friends. But isn't it great to know there's a God who doesn't need us? We need Him. And a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills doesn't need anything we could give Him. In fact, all we can do is receive His great grace. Well, in Romans chapter 11, in Romans chapter 11, Paul is now writing to the church of you believers in this Rome. Again, another, another culture where there's like lots of gods. Lots of gods. And Paul writes and says this. Oh, the depth. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I could enter 2017 knowing that my God, knowing that my God has wisdom and knowledge beyond the depths of measure. In other words, God has deep pockets. When you, are, when you are seeking a God, you want a God with deep pockets. 
If you're creating something, if you're starting a business and you're looking for investors, don't come to me. Because my measly few dollars that I've got will not be a good investment for you. If you're going to start a business or invent something or need an investor, you want to find someone with deep pockets, intense wealth. I'm telling you, our God has deep pockets. You need wisdom, His wisdom has deep pockets. You need knowledge, His knowledge has deep pockets. That's the kind of God that He is. And Paul is just exploding in praise here because he looks around. Well, he doesn't look around Rome. He's writing to the Romans and saying, see those statues that they're worshiping? All those statues that can do nothing? We've got a God who the depths are beyond what can be measured with wisdom and with knowledge. He goes on and says this, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For, for, who, for who has known the mind of the Lord? I like this. I'm glad I haven't got God figured out. Like I already confessed, I'm certain Jesus didn't have me figured out, and I'm sure I don't have her figured out. I'm glad I got a God so big, so powerful, so wise, so full of knowledge, so deep, I ain't ever going to figure him out. I ain't ever going to figure him out. And you, and you don't want a God you can figure out. If you can figure out your God, He is way too small. Way too small. His, his, his ways are unsearchable, his, his, and unsearchable for His judgments and untraceable in His ways. For who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's got Him figured out? Or who has been His counselor? Have you figured out yet you can't teach God anything? We try. Oh, we Baptists are good at that. We tell God what we think He doesn't know. Who, who here can teach God anything? Or, or even says this, or who has ever first given to Him and has to be repaid? Have you ever given anything to God that God felt obligated to pay you back? Have you figured out yet that we owe God, God don't owe us? Let me say it again. Have you figured out that we owe God and God does not owe us? When He did this, when He did this, He paid a debt so deep all eternity and all the souls praising Him forever could never pay the debt. Could never pay the debt. There's no way we could repay what He has done. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Now that's the God that you need to get to know. That's the God... Your pickup God and your house God and your power God and your prestige God and students, you know, president, student council God or quarterback God or cheerleader God, they're just powerless. And when that, when that known unknown fully blossoms in 2017 or that unknown unknown blossoms in 2017, you're going to need something bigger than those kind of gods. You're going to need to know the one true God. Now, incredible. This God first invites us to relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ, but then invites us into intimacy with Him. And finally, there's something on your sermon sheet you can use. We look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it's God's invitation to trust Him. To trust Him. Now listen, this is big. I know it's simple, but it's big. As you stand on the doorpost of 2017, a new year, this incredible God is saying, now for 2017, I want you to trust me. 
Well, how, God? Well, he tells us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That word trust carries best. Put your weight into it. To, to add weight. Um, Brent, come on up, please. Um, I hope you're feeling good today. Um, what I want you to do, buddy, is I want you to stand right here. And what I want you to do is do a faith fall. Yeah. Okay, that's enough right there. We're going to be going further. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I was hoping he'd say that because, see, the bottom line is, I'm, first, he's a lot bigger than I am. And secondly, I'm just not very strong. And so if you put your faith in me, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Yeah, I was going down and I was going to be under you. I was going to be under you. Now, but what about this, though? What about if we do the old chair thing, Brent? What if, what if we say this? What, what if we say, okay, Brent, now don't trust me because I, I would let you down. Okay? I, I, I'm the God who will let you down. But, but, Brent, you think the chair will? No. No, why don't you go ahead and try it, okay? All right. Isn't that just amazing? So give, the, give, give Brent and the chair an amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. All right. That's absolutely true. See, see when he says trust in the Lord, you've got to be careful where you put your trust. If you put your trust in the wrong God, I'm telling you, if I didn't, there's no way I was going to stop him. I mean, he, he was... It wasn't going to be pretty. But he knew and I knew that chair was designed to hold his weight. And God is saying today, don't trust your religion. Don't trust your denomination. Don't trust the bouquet of other gods. Trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart entirely. I mean, entirely. As you face this, you know, I don't know what's on your brain today as far as 2017 goes. I don't know if you see challenges or you don't. But what he's saying is, trust me with everything you got. Whatever's coming up, I can handle it, he's saying. I can handle it. You know, Brent, if you'd have weighed 100 pounds more, that chair still would have held you. Because that's what a chair built like that does. And God can handle it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean onto your own understanding. Don't, don't trust God entirely, but trust God exclusively. See, you can't, you know, Jeremiah 17, 9, I think it is, says, you know, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't, don't lean on your understanding. Don't lean on you. You, know, you. you messed up in the past, and there's a chance you'll mess up again. Don't lean into your own understanding. He said, in all your ways, extensively, extensively, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Uh, Let me do this. Let me do this. Listen carefully. Trust in me, God speaking. Trust in me with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I will direct your path. Isn't it beautiful when we take God to the first person? Isn't it beautiful? Doesn't it mean more? And that word acknowledge doesn't mean like, hey, how you doing? How you doing there? You know, you got your hands on the wheel. That, no, it means, it really does. In the Hebrew, it means to know personally, to know intimately, to know extensively. And know him in that way, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to direct your paths. He's going to make your path straight. And it means to remove obstacles. See, if you'll lean on me, if you'll trust me, not your own understanding, with all your heart, I'm going to make your path straight this year, and I'm going to remove obstacles that will be there. 
if you hadn't trusted me. He invites us to trust him. He, he invites us to respect him. Look at verse 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I have been privileged and am privileged to know so many intelligent people, smart people, wise people. But you know what I know? Not one of them is perfect. And if we say, you know, when God says, don't be wise in your own eyes because you may get it right 80% of the time, but what about the other 20%? It's just wiser to have a God who gets it right 100% of the time. He will work on your marriage. He will work on your kids' relationships. He will protect you in job loss and in illness and sickness. That's the kind of God that He is. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He said, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You'll go through the valley, but you won't walk it alone. Alone. Hey, hey, hey. Respect me. Fear the Lord. That's not... That's respect. Respect the Lord and stay away from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. He invites us to depend on me. Depend on him. You see the word in verse 9, honor? It carries a double meaning. The first word is heavy. Heavy. And it carries the connotation, the interpretation of gratitude. Literally, the word comes heavy gratitude. In other words, God is saying today as we stand on this preface of 2017, as he uses this word to speak to us, he's saying, enter this year with heavy gratitude for me. Not what I haven't, don't whine about what I haven't done. Be grateful for what I have. Don't be fearful of the way things might turn out. Rejoice and be thankful for the ways they will because I am sovereign God. I've got your back in 2017. I've got your back in 2017. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I know. It refers back to the Jewish practice of a farmer would give the first percent of, of his crops to the Lord. I, I got that. I understand that. You know that. I know that. But can I ask you a question? What if in our time, our talents, okay, if, if you feel better in our finances, what if we just trusted God and gave Him the first part? I, I'm not preaching about money. That's not my point. My point is, how different would our life be if we turned to God first and depended on Him first and not last? How would it be? How different would your life be if your first instinct was not turning somewhere else but turning to God? What if your first instinct when you left the doctor's office? What if your first instinct when you left the marriage counselor? What if, you, what if your first instinct when you left the school counselor? What if your first instinct when the pink slip did come? What if your first instinct is transmission goes out, how am I going to pay for it? What if it was instead of fear and panic, it was God? It was God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? See, unfortunately, we've been taught somewhere, who knows, we've been taught somewhere where, you know, transmission breaks and check goes up in the mail, and sometimes it does. But God sometimes works not only through checks in the mail, unexpected checks in the mail,
But he also works through just giving you that peace. You may have to hitch a ride with a friend, but you've got the peace. And I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes the peace of God is better than a check in the mail. Sometimes the peace of God is better than a good doctor's report. Sometimes the peace of God is better than all the answers in the world. Honor me with your first fruits. And then he says, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be overflowed with new wine. Again, that was a promise to Israel. I will make that clear. But how does it apply to us, Dwayne? I think it applies like with John 10.10. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That you may have life and have it more abundantly. He's saying, he's saying, if you will depend on me, you may not be the richest guy in town, but you'll be the most peaceful guy in town. How many times have you heard the stories of the Great Depression when people say, we didn't have much, but we had each other? Why is it so often that, that the less we have, the happier we are? Have you looked at Hollywood recently? Have you looked at the sports world recently? They don't seem to be very happy. This thought just popped in my head from a long time ago. And Judy, it's your fault. We were, I think we're cleaning out, but no, we're cleaning up Judy's office. And she found a poem called The Preacher's Wife, written by Peggy Snyder from 1983. Peggy and Ray Snyder, to say they were poor was an understatement. Ray had a colostomy that he called George. And it's kind of a standing joke around Lamont because George talked all the time. We'd be sitting there having this conversation with Ray and all of a sudden, blah, 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 blah. Be quiet, George. And you know what? Ray never complained. Peggy, Peggy had an arm that went haywire. I mean, literally. Something happened and it would just flop around. And they finally tied it to her side, trying to get control of it. And finally, Peggy said, cut it off. These people are 80 years old. So they cut her arm off. You know what? She never complained about that. In fact, can I just say this? Looking back to 1983, they were probably the most joyful people I ever saw, and they had nothing but God in each other. There's probably a lesson there for us. For us. So it comes down to Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all this other stuff will be, ta- will be added unto you. I-, I was going to do a paraphrase. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all that other stuff will be taken care of. Put God first. The God you know. And you've got to know Him by commitment to Him. Either on the initial level of salvation or as a day-by-day God that you walk with every day. Seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. Did I dream it? No. I was talking to Dakota this morning. You know, sometimes you have to remember, are you dreaming something or did it really happen? And Dakota was so concerned this morning about the American culture. And I said, you know, I 
I said, you know, America may be reaping what is sown, Dakota. What is sown. Well, how do you change that? I said, well, if you've been planting corn and you want tomatoes, you have to quit planting corn and plant tomatoes. You can't keep planting corn and expect to get tomatoes. And if you want 2017 to be different, you've got to start different. You've got to go, first off, if you've never, you've never heard a lot about this gospel thing I've talked a little bit about today, by the end of our service, Brent's going to be standing out in front of you. Okay, this preacher talked about knowing God personally and all that. I don't know, but I'd like a few, I've got a few questions I'd like answered. You come down, we'll do our very best to answer your questions. Like I said, the bottom line is, God made a way that every man, woman, and child can come in a relationship with Him. Not by being good, not by being religious, but by receiving His grace. And then this room is filled with believers today. So how did God work out for you in 2016? If you are to replay your life, how much did you depend on Him? He didn't fail, but maybe we kind of like didn't know Him very well. Why not start 2017 knowing Him better than ever. Now, let me, let me tell you the rest of the story. So, George VI is giving this little spiel, you know, and said, we don't know what the future holds. If, if peace comes, we'll be thankful. If not, we're going to be undaunted. And then he quotes a poem that his wife had given him by a lady written in 1908, Minnie Louise Haskins. Now, keep in mind, this is 1939. So, 30 years previous, this this uh, Minnie Louise Haskins wrote this poem. Here's what it says. I said to the man, I'm sorry, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That, that, that shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Let me read that last one again. Go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. An old hymn for us older folks, an old hymn that Bill Gaither wrote says this, I'm trusting in the unseen hand that guides me through this weary land. And some sweet day I'll reach that strand, still guided by the unseen hand. In Exodus 33, Moses looked at God and said, Well, God, here's the deal. If you don't go, we don't want to go. If you don't go, we don't want to go. So as we stand here on this edge, this preface of 2017, if you've never trusted Christ, I know those are church words. I know they are. I'm just praying the Holy Spirit will get into your heart. If you're here today and you're not even sure why you're here today or you're listening or you're watching, you know, I don't know. I'm just telling you. We would love to share with you what God has done on your behalf and asking you to turn from your sin, believe, and follow Christ. He's not calling you to be religious. He's not calling you to join a church. He's calling you to relationship with Him. And for my brothers and sisters, let's abandon the unknown God. Oh, not that we don't know Him. We don't know about Him. And commit to not only in January, but the rest of 2017, to know Him and to know Him more. Let's pray.
Well, God, thank you very much for the privilege that's mine to share today. And Holy Spirit, it's one of those times I'm going to ask that you made this make sense. I'm glad that's up to you and not to me. Father, I pray for my friends here today who may not know Jesus Christ. Oh, they know there's a God, but He's not a known God. He's not a personal God. I pray the Holy Spirit would draw them, um, Father, to you. Father, for my friends here, thank you for the years we've shared together over the last 16 and a half years. God, I want to pray in Jesus' name that, that wherever they might be in life, that they will make a commitment today to know you and know you more. That they may not trust another God, whatever God America offers and our economy offers and our wealth and prosperity offers. May we understand them as powerless and weak. And may they know, trust, and turn to you. I want to pray even a blessing as we bless our food before we eat. I want to pray for the rest of this month as various speakers and various topics are addressed that this will be a very much a learning time, an enlightening time, and a preparation time for the rest of 2017. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.